BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, Mr. News, hit it! Next on the Ledger Report, the bombshell truth about COVID-19 and the government response, the pandemic that never was. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in, so sit back and relax as we unfold this edition of the Ledger Report. There was a time, a time before cable, when the local anchorman reigned supreme. And in San Diego, one anchorman was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. There'll be well-fitting cloth masks available in children's and adult sizes, and they can be washed for reuse, all consistent with CDC guidance and all made in the USA. Once again, our decisions here have been made with equity at the center. Not all Americans are wearing masks regularly. Not all Americans have access, and not all masks are equal. With this action, we are helping to level the playing field, giving vulnerable populations quality, well-fitting masks. When President Biden delivered his inaugural address, he made a very clear request to the country, mask up. And he's taken action to require masks in federal buildings, on federal lands, and on public transportation like planes, trains, and buses. Stop the tape! The action we're (laughs) announcing today not all masks are created equal. No, wait a minute. Challenge to mask up There's a problem with that to, to a liberal like this. This guy's name is Jeff Zeintz. Zeintz. As we I don't know who he is. I know he's one of the wealthiest Americans. We're focused on vaccinating uh, on record anyway. Quickly and uh, And he was a friend of Barack Today Obama. Give you the and he was brought in during the rollout, the debacle rollout of Obamacare, and his job was to fix the mess. Clearly, he didn't really fix it. He just patched it up. And so now he's been in hibernation for four years and and brought out a mothballs to stand there like Big Brother in that video. I mean, if that didn't reek of Big Brother, what does? And remember our Big Brother and our 1984, George Orwell. War is peace. And that was one of the three slogans that reverberated around... Oceana, the society in which people lived in the book 1984. War is peace. In other words, it's the opposite. They wanted people to believe the opposite. But the, the, the reason behind war is peace, that society, Oceana, was constantly at war. At war with a probable fictitious foe. But they always had to have a foe. They always had to be on a, a battle stance. That's what our society is unfortunately devolving into. Constantly at war. There's always got to be a boogeyman. Donald Trump is the boogeyman. Climate change is the boogeyman. 
COVID-19 is the boogeyman. And so this guy's been rolled out, this Jeff Zeintz. He is the COVID czar for Joe Biden. And so now he's telling us that there is a, 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 a mask inequity out there. That certain portions of our society don't have the right masks. They need to have the right masks. Even though we know, and I'll get into this in just a moment, among other things. By the way, I tend to forget this. Please go to GrahamLedger.com and uh, see my ledger register for this week. I'll get into detail about that in a few minutes. But please go to GrahamLedger.com. If you haven't signed up for this podcast, you just hit the subscribe free button, all right? On this podcast today, we're going to reveal the, the bombshell breaking news that we all knew in our hearts. But we're going to dive deep into this and get some empirical evidence out there that this has been a joke the entire time. And yours truly has been at the vanguard from the beginning, from March of 2020. You know if you've been listening and watching me during this entire fiasco the last 12 months. You know I have been on record from the beginning saying this ain't right. And the wholesale and incremental abandonment of our constitutional rights, it ain't right in response to a virus. A virus, by the way, that is going to be a part of our society for the rest of our lives. Viruses don't go away unless God wants them to go away. And viruses work their way through societies the way viruses do. And Andrew Cuomo has no control over that. He does have control, though, of putting people who are ill with COVID into high-risk populations, a.k.a. nursing homes. And yours truly was on record way, way back in, oh, I'd say early summer, saying that there needs to be a federal investigation regarding Andrew Cuomo sticking COVID patients in these nursing homes. And we knew there was a financial reason why. There was a, there was a tie into that. So yours truly has been in the vanguard of the truth about COVID from the beginning. This is not a pandemic. If you look at the global numbers, as inflated as they are, and that's what we're going to talk about, um, with Michael Beatrice, who is the author of the book COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial. We're going to speak with him in just a couple of minutes. But the evidence is clear that even if, the num- even if we stipulate the numbers are correct, which they're not, they're inflated. And again, we'll get into that in just a second. Even if we stipulate those numbers, two and a half million deaths globally from COVID, 500,000 ostensibly uh, in this country. So we have one-fifth of all global deaths. Does anyone really believe that? Does anyone really believe that in the United States, where the best medicine and the best health is overall in terms of a population, among the best anyway, that we have one-fifth of the global deaths? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make, statistically, it doesn't make any sense you know, we have 330 million people in the United States, and the global population is 6 billion? It makes, statistically, again, it's mind-boggling for people who care about numbers like I do. But this guy, Jeff Zients, just real quick, just so you know who's leading this thing, he's, he's uh, I don't know what he is. He has no medical background. He has no scientific background. You saw the little Brady Bunch boxes there. You had Fauci and then some other woman from the CDC there. And, you know, in their big brother kind of setting, like, 
you will receive 25 million masks and we're going to deliver them to underprivileged populations. What is an underprivileged population when it comes to a virus? Yeah, sure. Some populations, if you look at demographics, are hit harder than others, in particular older people, right? But we know that younger people are virtually immune. They may get a cold-like symptoms and that's it. But you see, Big Brother, a.k.a. Zeitz and Fauci, don't really want that message out there. They know that schools should have never closed down. We know this. We know schools should have never closed down. But it was all part of the game. All part of the political response to a virus that is responsible for less than 500,000 deaths in this country. And the reason why that's so important, and I'll get into that again in just a minute here, is even if we stipulate the 500,000 is correct, it's nowhere near what the Spanish flu was, for example, 100 years ago. Nowhere near if you adjust the population numbers. Spanish flu in today's numbers would have killed close to 2 million people. But the numbers are inflated. And one of the entities that does great reporting on this and other items, and they've been banned all over. I'm pretty sure they've been banned from Twitter. So it's harder and harder to, to find the Gateway Pundit out there. But the Gateway Pundit uh, produced a piece with this headline. CDC exposed inflated COVID deaths by 1,600% throughout the election, violated multiple federal laws. This is a peer-reviewed study that the CDC was inflating the death numbers by 1,600%. And isn't that interesting, that number 1,600? 1,600 Pennsylvania Avenue? 1,600%. 1,600% inflated. Now, I went to a state university. It takes me a little bit of time to do the math here. But 1,600, and they're purportedly saying there's 500,000 deaths in this country. That would slash that 500,000 figure quite significantly, wouldn't it? But the peer-reviewed study finds that the CDC numbers to be so wildly unsupported as to be pure propaganda. Propaganda to be used by the Andrew Cuomo's and the Gavin Newsom's and the J.B. Pritzker's and the Murphy's and the Whitmer's and the Wolf's of the world. Propaganda to be used to take away the constitutional rights of tens of millions of Americans. The CDC, apparently, according to this article and according to the research, they're quoting that the CDC illegally inflated the COVID fatality number by at least 1,600% as the 2020 presidential election played out, according to a study published by the Public Health Institute, initiative of the Institute, for Pure and Applied Knowledge, which is a nonprofit a nonpartisan organization. And they just looked at the numbers. Most notably, the CDC illegally enacted new rules for data collection and reporting exclusively for COVID-19 that resulted in a 1,600% inflation of current COVID-19 fidelity totals. So why would the CDC do this? 
Maybe they didn't like Donald Trump. I will go to the grave knowing that the government response to the Wuhan coronavirus was driven by politics. I will never be able to prove it. I'll never be able to prove this conference call that took place about a year ago at this time between Nancy Pelosi after they failed in the attempt to impeach Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and J.B. Pritzker and Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom, and they said, hey, you know what? You people control one-third of the U.S. economy. What is the Achilles heel of Donald Trump? Well, it's if the economy crashed. Lo and behold, bam, the economy crashes. That wasn't the only arrow that they were flinging at Donald Trump. Of course, there were thousands of arrows from Pelosi and company. But then they were able to use the media to manipulate the message that Donald Trump was somehow responsible for the spread of COVID and for the deaths from COVID. It's unbelievable. It's it's mind-boggling to me. And this entire fiasco about mask wearing drives me nuts. Mask wearing for the millionth time does nothing to mitigate the spread of a virus. You want to live in a bubble? Fine. You're probably not going to get the virus. You'll have to walk around in one of those bubbles. What was the show in the 60s, The Prisoner? And this big bubble would come up, a la 1984, and it would consume the person. They'd put, put the, the, the bad guy they were chasing in the bubble. And we had the boy in the bubble movie, right? You want to live in a bubble? Yeah, you probably will never get sick, but you won't have a life. <laughs> you won't have your God-given constitution. You will be giving up your constitutional rights. And that's what the mask wearing is all about. Masks, unless they're N95, do zero. And even the N95s don't stop the aerosols from going in your eye, do they? Six feet, 27 feet. Somebody sneezes, the sneeze goes as far as 27 feet. A sneeze can go well past six feet. These entire parameters that have been set up by various governments and the CDC, blessed by the CDC, right on the website, six feet, social distancing, it's nonsense. Absolute, 100% nonsense. And one of the reasons why we know that is because of great work by some journalists out there that are still journalists like Daniel Horowitz, my buddy. Comprehensive analysis of 50 states shows greater spread with mask mandates. Repeat, greater spread of COVID with a mask mandate, a la California. The dictator of that governor, the governor of that state, the dictator in Sacramento, mandates on June 18th, 2020. Right in the middle of summer, a mask mandate. And what do the numbers do from that point forward? But, you know, it doesn't take a hell of a lot of research to know that masks don't work. I've done my own research. Right on the CDC website in 2018 is a study that says, you know what, masks don't work. Yet here we are. Here we are with the 46th president of the United States saying, mask up. And then his lieutenant saying, mask up. And his lieutenant saying, oh, there's a mask uh, inequity shortage out there, that we not all masks are created equal, and that we got to get them in the, in the faces of all America. Well, you know what that means, right? That's their targeted group of people they want to uh, pay back 
for voting for Joe Biden, right? They want to give him free masks. <laughs> free, right? Free. We're not paying for it, right? They're just come down from heavens. These masks just kind of parachute down and then they're given to these people. We're not paying for these uh, PPEs. CDC study finds overwhelming majority of people getting coronavirus wore masks. Again, right on the CDC website. So you got Daniel Horowitz doing his homework. You got the CDC even saying, hey, you know what? Most people who have contracted the Wuhan coronavirus wore a mask. Bulletin for you people driving around in your cars with a mask on all by yourself. What kind of a moron does that? I'm sorry. I'm tired of this. And I'm tired of debating people either. I ask you to challenge people. Where's your mask? Well, let's talk about that, can we? And then you give them the truth, the truth that I just gave you right now. Masks don't work. If masks work, why did we have a spike in numbers in California after June 18th? Hmm? Oh, because not enough people were complying. Baloney. Again, the evidence shows right on the CDC website, their study, that the overwhelming majority of people who got COVID wore a mask. That might tell you that the actual opposite is happening, right? That that if you wear a mask, maybe you're contaminating yourself. And we have more on that, too. But if you ask the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, who, by the way, wear a mask when they're operating on you, you know, fixing your knee, fixing Tiger Woods' leg, they wear a mask, right? But the uh, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons' conclusion when it studied masks is this. And it's emboldened conclusion. Let me read, quote, Wearing masks, other than N95, will not be effective in preventing SARS-CoV-19 transmission, whether worn as a source control or as PPE. That's not me. That's the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Masks do not work. We know this. We know the numbers. We've been looking at this thing now for a year. And the global numbers, again, if, if you're talking about a pandemic that's wiping out people, all of the Black Plague of, what, six, seven hundred years ago? 2.5 million? 2.5 million deaths ostensibly from COVID-19? Is a joke. And I'm not saying anybody's death is a joke. I'm saying statistically that is a joke. And the evidence of that this was not the Black Plague was staring at us early on. And again, these were the numbers that I was looking at. And the case studies were the cruise ships. Remember the cruise ships that were not allowed to dock because they had the COVID-19 on board. And then they finally were allowed to dock. And then then they were held in isolation. Those poor people stuck on that ship. Just sitting there infecting each other. (laughs) It's just... I mean, it's... I know one point, somebody's going to look back at this and say, what in the hell were they thinking in 2020? Locking up perfectly healthy people and putting sick people among the most vulnerable. It's mind-boggling. It really is. But the, the cruise ships offered the early data of how non-lethal 
COVID-19 truly is. And Michael Beatrice, the, uh, the author of the book COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial, uses some of this data to talk about how the pandemic is over. And I would throw in there the pandemic that never was. Joining me now is author of the book COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial, Michael Beatrice. Michael, uh, your book, the premise is, uh, one of the premises, is that lockdowns don't work. And we have seen now, in fact, they backfire. They do the opposite of what these politicians ostensibly are trying to do, right? And in a nutshell, um, they can cause more harm than good. Is that the premise? That's the premise. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm actually writing a second book and doing some research. And so when you look at all the things prior to COVID with the CDC and the WHO, uh, there were no recommendations for sweeping lockdowns of this magnitude. Um, in fact, in the most extreme example, they had suggested possibly closing schools for up to 12 weeks. But that was predicated on a pandemic and influenza where children are the primary spreaders. That's not the case with COVID. If there's any one lucky thing we've had about COVID is kids are not just spreaders. Uh, they're, they're really not even uh, susceptible to this. And so the fact that we've had sweeping lockdowns, things included like restaurant closings, um, churches, gyms, et cetera, these are all things that were never, never suggested in any of the playbooks by the WHO or the CDC. And yet here we are a year later. It's incredible uh, if you think about it and the psychological damage it does to people to isolate people. But just the common sense of locking people in a home uh, where we know that uh, indoors locked in like that, the transmission rate uh, is significantly higher rather than being outdoors. For example, in California, you know, one of the first things the governor of California did uh, back in April of 2020 was to shut down beaches. You know, you're not allowed to go to the beach, for heaven's sakes. That's exactly where you should be. You should be in the open air. You should be outside. You should be. You want to be away from people, that's fine. But to lock people in their homes together and then worse, to put sick patients into nursing homes, the most vulnerable, made absolutely no sense. What we should have done is very simply left kids in school, let them establish the herd immunity in our society, slowly but surely among the children. The transmission rate is, is not high, and, and the death rate is almost zero. And if you want to lock certain sectors of society down, lock down the, the, the vulnerable, the sick, but not the healthy. You know, one of my favorite stories that I wrote back in April in the first edition of this book was there was a guy off Malibu, in California, who was wake, uh, wakeboarding by himself, by himself, and the police were waiting for him on the beach, and they arrested him, and they charged him. I mean, it's lunacy. You know, onto the nursing home thing, certainly Governor Cuomo has taken a lot of heat lately, and no one that follows the data like me ever believed that we were, uh, that New York had 29% of their um, nursing homes contributing to their deaths. That was crazy. It had to be more like 60%. We knew that. Right. But one thing I'd like to call out is that we knew from the data from the cruise ships and from Italy that it was primarily the elderly with comorbidities that were susceptible. Those are people that are in care facilities. The fact, I don't know that it would have been intuitive to Governor Newsom or Whitmer or Pritzker or Wolf or particularly Cuomo um, in, the, in the rush of a couple of days. But the people that really should have known, uh, Fauci, Burks, 
Redfield, HHS secretaries, they should have known that uh, the, the most vulnerable, the worst thing you can do is send COVID positive patients into a nursing home. It should have been intuitive to them as healthcare professionals, and they are the ones that should be held as responsible, if not more than anybody. Yet we had those hospital ships that President Trump sent to both coasts, the left coast and the right coast, that were virtually empty, and, and, and they were em- so empty that they were sent home, which is Completely opposite of, of really what both of those governors in California and in New York um, should have done. But back to the cruise ships. Um, basically, what the cruise ship data was, and I remember talking about the cruise ship data probably April or May of last year because it was coming in and we knew because effectively these cruise ships were case studies, right? Their own little case studies that broke down and you break down these numbers that really reflect the overall societal numbers now almost 12 months later. Yeah, it was a perfect scientific experiment and I was following it recreationally. I hadn't planned to write a book or anything. Uh, And if you remember the second cruise ship, uh, the Grand, I'd actually been on that cruise ship. And so I followed it with a bit of interest as it ported into California. And it was covered like it was the Bronco chase and nothing really happened. And then about 10 days later, when the Imperial College released their model that predicted in a do nothing scenario, like the cruise ships, that we would lose over 2 million Americans by summer. I took the model inputs or assumptions, applied them to the demographics of the cruise ships. We should have had 155 deaths and we had 10. Seven of those were with uh, people that had underlying conditions. And so uh, I spent about one hour mocking up a model that predicted, this was back in April, 238,000 COVID-19 deaths. And we probably have at this point uh, 300,000, I'd say real, of the 500 real COVID-19 deaths. That's still a substantial number. You don't have to be a COVID denier to say the lockdowns are a disproportionate response. Again, if lockdowns work, and if closing restaurants and schools work, then the states that are restricted, like New York, California, Illinois, Michigan, et cetera, they should be blowing away neighboring states or states like mine in Texas, Georgia, Oklahoma, the Dakotas, Florida. And, the, and you just can't find correlating data between the states that are highly restricted with the ones that are less restricted. There's just no correlating data that shows lockdowns work. And, and masks, too, I would throw in there. And I, I go into masks in great, deal, in great detail, and I have gone into masks in great detail that they don't work either. If they worked in California, the mask mandate on June 18th of 2020 issued by Correct. the governor uh, would have stopped dead the virus. My point is very simple, that mankind, politicians in particular, don't have the ability to control a virus. A virus controls a virus. And one scientist, I think, put it best when he said, you can't stop a virus from being a virus, and you shouldn't stop a human from being a human. But unfortunately, uh, that has been the reaction. And the, the numbers, you, you touched on this very briefly. What's in dispute, I think, is exactly how inflated the numbers are. But what's right. indisputable is the fact that the numbers are inflated. And there's, there's a logical, unfortunately, a logical reason behind that. And we know what the doctors and hospitals are doing. They're inflating the numbers so they can get the compensation from the federal government because they're getting more monies from the COVID-19 diagnosed patients. And, and if they're diagnosed with COVID-19, they get the Medicare monies. And, and if they snake a... Right. Uh, you know, a breathing tube down their throat, they get more money. And that's, that's the financial truth to this. 
Well, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, one, they do follow the CDC guidelines. So it's not like they're, the hospitals are doing something shady. I'm pretty close to a number of people on hospital boards uh, and doctors throughout this journey of mine. And, uh, and so they do follow the CDC guidelines. And then if you have a little empathy for the hospitals, um, this pandemic has, you know, these lockdowns have caused them to go broke. If they didn't get government bailout money, they'd be gone. Right. But that's, so, that's, the, that's the problem of the politicians. The politicians forced them to stop these so-called elective surgeries, right? And, yeah, and they and forced them in this. So either way, it's, it, on both ends, it's the government. It is the government. And it's not just, you know, right now we're not locked down in any areas in terms of elective. They call them elective, right? Elective surgeries aren't transplants and things like that. Those aren't really elective, uh, uh, but they're not COVID. Right. And what we're seeing now in hospitals is that as hospitals are empty down of COVID patients, hospitalizations have plummeted in the last six weeks, plummeted. I mean, the pandemic is over as we knew it, but people are still afraid to go into hospitals now. They're cautious. And so hospitals are empty. By and large, they're empty all over the country. And that's bad for, for the hospitals. And it's bad for people that are not getting treated for things they need to get treated on. I say the pandemic never was. Again, even if you look at the global numbers, uh, I'm a numbers guy and they just don't add up. They never added up. This never was a pandemic. This never was the Black Plague. It wasn't even the Spanish flu. And we're now, uh, you know, I don't know. Are we on the downslope? I don't know. I can't tell you that. You can't tell me that. No politician. Dr. Fauci can't tell us that. The virus is going to do what the virus is going to do. And we're going to establish herd immunity, I presume, at some point. Maybe maybe a quarter of the population has either been vaccinated now at this point or has natural antibodies because they had the Wuhan coronavirus. What is your stance on these vaccines in the, in the various forms? Are you going to get a vaccine? Have you been vaccinated? How do you? Well, let me, let, let, me, let me touch on one other thing you mentioned real quick. Uh, is we our population immunity, we, we probably have 150 to 200 million people that have been infected. That seems to be a general consensus. Uh, in the United you know, States? In the United States. It's a very high number, you know, wow. six to eight times higher than the official count. Wow. So when you add that with high vaccinations in the vulnerable population, uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, we're, we're going to be in COVID the rest of our lives to right. some degree. The pandemic as we knew it, this rush of hospitalizations is probably behind us. Uh, would I get the vaccine? So I've got 89-year-old parents in Michigan, and uh, they did get the vaccine, and I encourage them to get it. They are at less risk of the vaccine than of getting COVID and, and um, potentially losing their life. I mean, COVID's real to people. If you're 89, I mean, even if you're healthy, that's a real thing. Um, would I get the vaccine? Uh, my son just got COVID and all of his roommates up at uh, college uh, three weeks ago. And so they've got natural immunity for me. I would get the vaccine. I'm, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'll wait for the Johnson and Johnson one, but I would get one. And I think it's just time to move on. There's so many, I guess there's only so many battles that you want to fight. And, right. and uh, I'd rather get the vaccine and play the odds that I wouldn't get COVID. You know, you just never know. Uh, so I'm not an anti-vaxxer on this one. I think we should, we should get it. And, and um, that feels like a politician's gateway for us to move forward and you've got about 60 people holding us hostage, right? You've got 50 governors and about a dozen people in Washington. And if vaccines is our ticket out, these guys aren't messing around. Schools are going to be closed for what's going to end up a year and a half. Businesses are closed. It's terrible. Restrictions, et cetera. 
It's I'd terrible. say take the vaccine. Let's move on. Well, uh, you know, I'm one of those people that doesn't get a flu shot. And for the same reason, I'm, I'm not going to get the uh, the vaccine. You know, it's a personal choice. You want to get it? Fine. Great. Knock yourself out. It is out. a personal choice. You want to wear a mask all day long and kill yourself? You know you're killing yourself by wearing a mask all day long. It's what your grandmother would tell you. It's common sense. Knock yourself out. But I'm not going to get vaccinated. And I'm not going to wear a mask. I refuse to wear a mask. But, uh, Michael, where can folks uh, find your book? Uh, it's available at Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon. All right. COVID-19 Lockdowns on Trial. The author is Michael Beatrice. Uh, and uh, if you want to find out about uh, lockdowns and the mistakes we're making, uh, this is the book to read. Michael, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 55, 60 million people die globally every year. 55 million to 60 million people die each year. That's about 150,000 deaths per day. The total universe, ostensibly, of COVID-19 deaths globally for the last 12 months is 2.5 million. 55 million, 60 million deaths a year, and we have 2.5 million ostensibly, COVID-19. 150,000 people die per day. Not from COVID-19, just from all forms of death. Car accident, disease, what have you. 150,000 people die per day. Just every day. It's the way it works when you have 6 billion people on the planet. 2.5 million, ostensibly, COVID-19. Those numbers just don't add up to being a pandemic, a global pandemic. And again, statistically speaking, for the United States to have one-fifth of all those doesn't make sense either because we don't have one-fifth of the global population, do we? No. We're not even close to one-fifth of the global population, yet we account for one-fifth of the COVID-19 deaths. Figures lie and liars figure. And in government right now, we have a bunch of liars. But again, I ask people, please do your own research. You don't have to believe me. Go to the CDC website, dig through there and find the study that I found in 2018. I posted it before. I'll probably post it again, the link. It's a peer-reviewed study, hundreds of footnotes, published two years before the Wuhan coronavirus hit our shoreline. And the data in there says that masks do not work. But even before that, there was study after study after study about the effectiveness of wearing a mask. Because people periodically wear a mask, especially in Asian cultures, right, To, to try and filter out all the particulates in the air and all the pollution in major cities like Beijing? Well, there's two articles I found. One was published in 2015 and one in 2017. Again, many years before the Wuhan coronavirus, right? The use of, this is the upshot of one of them, the use of cloth masks by healthcare workers. And they were just looking at healthcare workers, right? Because that's what they, you know, healthcare workers wear these cloth masks all day, right? May actually put them at increased risk of respiratory illness and viral infections and their global use should be discouraged according to this study from a 
Medical University uh, in Sydney, Australia. Cloth masks discouraged and only used rarely. Yet what do we see from our neighbors, except in Florida, except in Texas and other parts of the United States? I'll tell you what you see in California. You see a bunch of nutcases actually drinking gallons of the Kool-Aid. Mask up, California. Oh, okay. Well, why are the numbers spiking? Because uh, you're not wearing a mask. That's why. You're right. I'm spreading COVID-19. You know what I'm doing? I'm taking my vitamin C and vitamin D and my zinc. And working out, staying healthy, eating healthy. But this is what I do anyway. And by the way, hand sanitizer. I used to take that to church. I still do. Well, when they let me in. Uh, I always had hand sanitizer years, years. Gas station pumps, handles, ha! I knew about them decades ago. Gross, disgusting. Clean your hands. Okay, fine. Here's the second article. Um, using masks can lead to oxygen shortage, suffocation, respiration trouble. It's no brainer, right? What would your grandmother say? You can't breathe with that on. Heart attacks, according to this doctor, Dr. D. Saha, a scientist and additional director at the Central Pollution Control Board. All right. He goes on. He pointed out that the masks are a potential source of bacteria. We know this. And viruses. Okay, so you're trying to, you're forcing people to wear a mask to keep the virus out, yet it's a magnet for bacteria and viruses. Does that make any sense? The moisture from exhaling inside the mask, according to this doctor, when in constant contact with the 37 degrees Celsius warm human body, becomes the ideal place for virus and bacteria to thrive. The scientists call those loaded masks. And we have the alleged president of the United States saying, mask up, United States. 100 days. And miraculously, after these 100 days, I guess he's going to say, oh, you don't have to mask up anymore. You got Dr. Fauci. I wear two masks. So you'll double your chance of a heart attack if you listen to Fauci. You'll double your chance of bacteria forming. Think about it. You have all this moisture when you exhale into a mask and it stays there god wants you to get rid of it that's why that's why he built us this way if he wanted us god to have a mask he would have had us come out of the womb with a mask on this is insanity and what is it teaching our young people you know i hear over and over and over again from other doctors that one of the very important development stages early on in a child, maybe you know one, two, three years old, is facial recognition and facial expressions. And so when you have mom and dad masked up or the teachers masked up, you are retarding them. You are stunting their growth. Yet we have this genius, Jeff Zeitz, Now saying everybody needs to wear a mask and if you don't have one uh, and you're in one of these poor communities, we're going to come out and we're going to give you 25 million masks because not all masks are created equal, apparently. 
Well, we know this. But that's not the point. The point is, if you want to wear a mask, knock yourself out. Wear a mask. But don't force me to cover my face. Because in the end, all a mask is, is a compliance test. That's all it is, in my mind, is a compliance test. And I will not comply. Ever. Even if it means I can't get on a train. Or an Uber. Hey, you know what? It's a private company. They want to have a mask policy. Fine, I won't do Uber. I have a choice. And I have a choice to live in a state that has common sense and has constitutional rights or a state that doesn't have common sense and doesn't allow constitutional rights. And to that end, please go to GrahamLedger.com and you can answer the question that exists there right now. Would you support Donald Trump if he creates his own media empire? You know, we've asked about if you would support him if he created a new party. And overwhelmingly, Republicans in particular, uh, would support Donald Trump if he creates his own political party. And I hope he does. I, I, I think it's time. I think the Republican Party is dead. I think it should go by the way of the Whig Party. And there needs to be a red, white, and blue constitutional America party. And if Donald Trump wants to start it, fine. I've seen enough. I don't need to see any more. The Republican Party has left me. So you have that, and then you have Donald Trump potentially starting a media empire. It could be you know, traditional media along with social media. I think it would be wonderful. I think it would be absolutely wonderful if he did. He'd have a built-in 80, 100 million uh, people in his audience. When you go to GrahamLedger.com, please look at FixCalifornia.com. That's my plan for California. We've got to stop the cancer in California. Recalling the governor is great, but it's not enough. There has to be permanent structural changes in California or... The cancer is going to spread to the 49 other states. So I suggest that all folks, especially folks in red states, support our efforts to recall the governor and to fix structurally the real problems that exist in California so they don't spread to the 49 other states. And you can sign up for this here podcast at the website GrahamLedger.com. It is absolutely free. And remember... The bombshell truth, if you haven't figured it out by now, and maybe, you know, maybe I'm reaching into somebody's mind who hadn't really put all this together until now. The bombshell truth is that COVID-19, in my mind, was the pandemic that never was. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the Archives Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember... Even when I'm wrong, I'm right.